0: Think about a time you've come across someone who possesses something special. Imagine taking ordinary topics and viewing them through their lens. Welcome to Success Shorts, insights that challenge us to be extraordinary. Let's go. I'm Arol Chanel, and today I'm joined by Amanda Brinkman. Amanda is the creator and co-host of Hulu's Small Business Revolution, along with Ty Pennington, as well as the Chief Brand and Communications Officer at Deluxe Corporation. Besides that, she's a pretty amazing human. Amanda, it's awesome to have you.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: So we had a chance to speak last week, which we just established before we started recording felt like two or three weeks ago. So I'm really eager to kind of get into what what we were going to be speaking about, because it's going to be really meaningful, and I'm excited about that. But first, I want everyone to have the chance to have a little bit of fun getting to know you. So we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie. Are you ready?
1: Ooh. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's hear what you got.
1: Okay. I have bungee jumped the second highest jump in the world. Second, I'm often mistaken for Ellen by my daughter's fellow classmates at her school. And I am a great dancer, like renowned at weddings.
0: <laughs> All right. So bungee jumped the second highest, mistaken for Ellen. I can see that. So I'm going to say that's the truth. And Ellen's a pretty great dancer herself. So I'm wondering if there's a connection there, but you wouldn't throw that bungee in. So I'm going to say maybe you're not a great dancer. That's your lie.
1: I'm a terrible dancer, although I can floss, which I think is a kind of an accomplishment and holds me in high regard with our eight-year-old, so.
0: (laughs) I cannot floss, and I look like an absolute fool even attempting it, so I commend you on that. So maybe you're a better dancer than you're giving yourself credit for, Um, but that's-
1: (laughs) <laughs> I'm a great dancer when I'm alone. You know, like the whole thing, like you're a great singer in your car when no one else is listening.
0: Oh, oh, I'm a fabulous singer, so you're probably a great dancer. Um, but, <laughs> I, but obviously, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, what do you plan on sharing with us?
1: Well, you know, you asked me a little bit about what I think has contributed to some semblance of its success in my leadership, and and I want to talk about why I think creating a safe space for your team and why leading with love and kindness in every interaction is so key.
0: As I was then, I'm ecstatic that you're going to be talking about this because it's a really beautiful thing. And I think it's contra to what a lot of us experience when it comes to leadership in some ways. So, you know, long story short, when did you start to realize the importance of kindness and creating a safe space as being a vital component of success?
1: Well, you know, I think it's just part of instinctually how I've always been as a person. I was certainly raised in an environment where kindness and um, being good to other people was a priority. But I think as I continued to have larger and larger teams and be in charge of different size projects... People would always kind of say, you know, what What do you think has really led to your success? And you're great at leading teams and create and foster this kind of lifelong loyalty from people who have worked for you. How are you doing that? And I kept trying to come up with some sort of like really academic intellectual answer. And I just kept coming back to, you know what it is? You just have to make sure everyone feels loved and seen and appreciated. And I am often disappointed, actually, that business is not more complicated than that, that success around bringing teams together and facilitating great teamwork is not more complicated than just kind of the golden rule of being good to other people. So I think just over the years, I've had this realization that it doesn't need to be a more complicated answer and that I'm disappointed that it is such an sometimes contrary way to how people lead. To me, it, it seems like just how we should operate as human beings and how we should treat each other. If it fosters better projects and better teamwork, then that's a great result. But I think we should all just be that way as humans because it's the right way to be. And then the silver lining is that then it creates great teamwork as well
0: kindness just goes such a long way. To the person you're offering it to, they remember it and they're willing to do a lot more because they're seen, as you were saying. Now, you said that this is something that you've observed and you get a little bit frustrated with at times, but when you think back, when did you really begin to feel that it had a tangible effect on success or on your personal happiness or whatever it is? When can you recall that feeling?
1: Probably the most poignant example is last year. So in... Producing the Small Business Revolution. It's a show where each season we revitalize a different small town's main street. And each season we're, we find ourselves in a different small town, which all has different cultural influences and each town feels a little bit different. And we found ourselves in kind of a, a town within the Bible Belt of the country and it had some opportunities to be more inclusive and uh, be more of an accepting place. And while we were there, a member of my team actually started her transition, which is a deeply personal thing. And I was really proud of how not just me, but my entire team really surrounded her with love as she went through that transition in a town where that would be that much more difficult to do. It's a deeply personal thing to go through gender transition. And I'm proud of the fact that we created a safe space for her, that she not only felt comfortable in doing that, but actually felt in hindsight, she had said it was the best time and place and environment for her to do it because she was surrounded by my team and I. For a leader, that was the best compliment I've ever received, not the accreditations or awards we've won, won for the show or, you know, results from a particular campaign. To me, I'm judging my leadership on have I created a space where people can not only be their best versions of themselves, but they feel loved and appreciated and seen and heard. Again, I think that's why we're on this planet is to make each other's lives better in whatever way better means to them, not to us. I think that's why we're blessed To be leaders, if we don't see that as part of the responsibility or part of the privilege of being a leader is to create environments like that and to make people feel loved and seen, then the leadership is lost on us. I feel like that is our calling as leaders is to create environments like that.
0: I completely agree. And when you experience the opposite of that, it almost makes you shut down. But your willingness to be in this relatively tough environment and create that space of love and acceptance. I mean, I can only imagine how deep that meant to that person. Now, we may not always think of leading with love and acceptance and kindness and creating that safe space. How can we be a little bit more present with those thoughts? And what are some of the things that you would recommend they start to think about in trying to integrate this mindset into how they do lead?
1: I think the greatest gift in personal relationships is is the gift of empathy to truly try and understand what it's like to be another person. So even when I encounter people who are not kind, I try to tell myself a story about maybe what their day was leading to that interaction or what their background is or their story as a person and how that's led them to be that way in that interaction. I think the more we can just understand or try to really understand where someone is coming from as a leader It's going to create such a different environment because we're taking into account not just what someone has said, but understanding perhaps why they said it. What emotions were leading to that reaction? Is there something that we said that was a trigger because of something that we don't even know about or that was something that was part of their past? And the more you take the time to really understand that and break it down and and not just see every interaction as someone being defensive or not listening or, or not responding or liking our idea, if you just stop and think about maybe where they're coming from, I think we can all just kind of break down those barriers and realize we're more similar than different And try and then work together to get to the right space and the right place. If I ever experience someone who I think is being a jerk to me, I stop and I tell myself, maybe they had a bad morning. And they're a parent. To some little kids, they are the whole sun and moon and earth. And so there is value. In this person, this interaction, I try to take out the emotion of what just happened in a conversation and try and see the person. And I think when we stop trying to win people over or debate something and we just stop and listen, I think everybody can get to a better place.
0: And it's something that's attainable for all of us to do that. If we just kind of slow down, we detach our own personal perspective on things. And like you said, really try to put yourself in their shoes and think what they might be going through. I think that speaks to where you are yourself. I mean, you've obviously done a lot of work, but we're all capable in doing that work. We're all capable in being more present and more mindful. And if we're not at that place, just think about like, what kind of work do I need to do to get myself there? How can I evolve and how can I be more open-minded and accepting people for what they are as opposed to where I think they should be at and not have that expectation and put it on them because of how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really commendable, For you as a leader, but it's also commendable to anyone else who's out there who does that regularly in their own practice. And I hope that in hearing a little bit about this from you, people start to think about that and how they approach every interaction. If we can start to take those intentions and those expectations off, I think we can really be far better humans to each other. And so I really want to thank you for wanting to discuss this topic with us. It means a lot that you went down this path.
1: Oh, well, thank you for asking me. And well said with what you just said. If we just all would lead with love in every interaction, just assume good intent. If our first instinct was to love the other person, there'd be fewer problems in the world. There'd be fewer divisiveness. It would just be about seeing people as people who all want to create good lives for themselves and whatever version of family they have. Yeah, I just think it's, it's what we're called to do as people and humans.
0: I think that's a perfect place to leave it. And it's a perfect place for us to all start it. And with that said, That's all we have for this episode of Success Shorts. Hopefully you found today's topic useful. And remember, have fun, stay curious, and keep it short.